0: Welcome to The Family Room, sponsored by Sprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic radio.
1: As we step into The Family Room again this week, uh, we're going to do another one of our uh, banter shows between the guests here And it's interesting, because as we come out of Holy Week and, you know, the contemplation of what went on, what came to my mind, and I don't know how you, Mari, and John feel about it, but you have so many times the references where Christ died, and there was this despair, there was this yearning for where to go, what's going on. And in two short days, you know, Mary Magdalene and others ran to the tomb and he wasn't there. Peter and John ran to the tomb and he wasn't there. Um, you look at Emmaus right, two people walking along, discussing what happened, where did he go um and then you find out he showed up in kind of these unusual circumstances where people didn't recognize him, mm-hmm. but yet he was who he was, and it just caused me to think about you know, in the world I live in today, you know how often do I search for Christ somewhere, and he may show up every single day. And I just don't recognize him because I'm not listening for his voice or I'm not seeing him. But yet, when I contemplate that, I think, well, he showed up in each one of you in my life at one point or time in another. He's shown up in other ways. So I just wanted to throw it out there to talk about our own faith lives a little bit, how we seek God and maybe find him in the most unusual ways. And I don't know, maybe we've got some stories that we can identify that makes some sense. So as we enter into this, what are your thoughts?
2: Well, I love how you've tied it to kind of our own faith life, too, and and taking this time of year to contemplate that. And, you know, we always ask each of our guests, you know, share with us your faith journey. And I don't know that we've shared so much about our faith journey. And then what your question also made me think about is, you know, it's individual for each one of us, but this is the family room. So as parents, right, have we shared that with our kids? Have we told our kids about our own faith journeys? Have we asked them about their faith journeys? Is this something that that we, talk about. I know that we go to mass together with our families. We pray the rosary with our families. We um, during this you know, time of uh, the, like you said, Holy Week that we just came through, there were a lot of things that we did stations of the cross or various things that we did part of our Catholic tradition with our families. But do we talk about that? Do we talk about how they were all talking? They're like, have you seen him? Where is he? You yeah, know, everybody's you seeking go? him. Have we talked about? Did you have you been seeking him, and have you found him? I think that's a great, a great thing to contemplate. Yeah. What about Where's you, John? Where's your brain, John? Yeah. What are you Just, thinking?
3: Oh man, all over the place. But um, I think the uh, what what where my mind went immediately was you know looking looking for Jesus. Then the song "Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places" came to mind. Mm. I mean, it mm-hmm. it really. Right. You think no, about think that. It's valid. It's yeah. very valid. It's because yeah. because at the end of the day, when we're looking for Jesus, we're looking for love. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we're looking for. Yeah, I think. I mean, that's John's opinion, but I don't think I'm far off. And and it's just we have an expectation. We have expect- I, I I shouldn't put that on you guys. I have expectations. I think Jesus should look like this. I think he should communicate this way. I think that you know, this aching that I have inside of me, which is just nothing more than him calling me back to him should be filled a certain way. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, and so it, it, I, I always said, man, I, I should, I, if I lived where the apostle lived, I'd have been a better apostle. And I'm <laughs> like, eh, now that I know, I'll, like, absolutely not. Cause I, I wouldn't have seen him. I wouldn't have seen him. Right. Yeah. And, and and I'd have been that guy at the at the ascension. Like, well, you're going to do it now, Lord. Now you're going to get the army together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like...
2: I mean, they talk about that. That they talk about that. The reason that Judas may have you know, brought the Sanhedrin and brought the leaders in was to go, okay, Jesus, go ahead and do it. Calm down. Yeah. He was trying to force the issue and say, okay, bring the angels. Like he really had faith
4: force
3: his hand.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so
3: anyway, so that's, that's kind of where my mind went and there's, there's lots of other things I think we'll talk about, but I think, I think, um, the whole idea about family room and what have you done for your kids? Mm -hmm. and, 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 how are, how are they living their faith as a function of how we lived ours? Uh, I know at work, like nothing, I get rattled and and frustrated, but nothing to the point like, holy, I don't know what I want to do now. It's like, okay, I've seen this pattern before. Mm-hmm. I see how this plays. I know how this plays out. Chill a minute. yeah, And we'll get mm-hmm. through this, right?
2: Mm-hmm. You're, because of your experience. your experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You
3: just see patterns. Or I recognize patterns very quickly, right? And in, in, in all kinds of different things. And, and I think the trick is helping your kids to to recognize the patterns and recognize the the right signals and the wrong signals. If you're in a selling situation, you know by body language, by certain responses, that okay, this is this is an ob, this is an this is an objection that I'm going to have to deal with now, or this is an objection that's just stall and we're going to move past it, right. right? And so, how do you how do we help our kids understand when it's Jesus? and when it's not when Mm -hmm. it's when you're looking for love in all the wrong places and when you're not Mm -hmm. so that's that's my add moment no i mean i think think that's relevant because again you mentioned
1: it the apostles a lot of the jews and everybody had an expectation that the savior was going to be of a certain kind Mm -hmm. and i think he blew everybody away with who he really was so i think it's relevant because you know we all have a version of who Christ is, or we don't have a version because we're too blind because of right. other things. So, right. before we then, I guess, dive into our own maybe uh, faith story slash journeys. You, know, you always open us in a prayer. Would you officially yeah. O- yeah, yeah. open Hold us up, in yeah. a prayer? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Absolutely. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and that we are created in your image. And that you are the constant pull in our minds and our hearts, whether we recognize it or not, that you are the one who calls us back every single day with the beautiful things, with the difficult things, with the trying things, and that the, the way you left us with your own body and blood, that we would... Even if we fail in every other scenario to recognize you, that we will always recognize you in the breaking of the bread, and mm. that we will always make time for breaking of the bread. Father, we ask for your blessings and your grace and the downpouring of your Holy Spirit this time and f- and and for always. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 In the, name of the Father, and the Son, Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: amen. Amen.
1: So, where do we go, guys? What's on your minds?
2: Okay, so something John just said, and I think we've talked about this before, but John, you just said, you know, so how does that? you know, in the family room, how does that happen for our children? And mm-hmm. so it made me go back to, okay, how did it happen for each of us from our parents? Like, was there anything your parents did or didn't do that helped you to start to look for Jesus? You know, Craig, you said, we start to look for him. Or John, you said, we start to look for love or to start to recognize him. Was there anything your parents did specifically that laid that foundation for you? And it, we may have talked about this a little Maybe, bit before.
3: Yeah, yeah probably uh, when we first started.
1: I mean, for me, it was, it was, just interesting because I mean, you always went to church, so it was Mm -hmm. kind of a perfunctory move. You just did what you did. Mm -hmm. Um, for whatever reason, I think my heart was maybe open to it, but again, I did it my own way, which was just lazy and (laughs) you know, if something showed up, it showed up. But again, I think because my mother's involvement in the charismatic renewal, that was very Holy spirit driven very Mm -hmm. much. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Um, she just had the conversations and she was involved. So to your point about just living the faith, mm-hmm. you know, she was involved in charismatic masses. She was involved in things. So I, I guess the search for Jesus came number one from, in more particularly her involvement, because like and my father wasn't baptized at the time, but her involvement in the church, mm-hmm. her involvement in faith and then her involvement talking about Jesus, not like he was, um, an odd person, not like he was, you know, some strange person. Interestingly, and, and I've, I've found that find this parallel interesting. Uh, there's a documentary on Mother Teresa that's on Pure Flix right now. Okay. And Mark Wahlberg's older brother, who was into drugs and into a lot of not so good things. Is that
2: Donnie? Is that right? No,
1: it was uh, James, I think James. it is. Okay. okay. He uh, was in prison for drugs and all kinds of other things. And a priest made mention to him that um, this nun was coming and he may be interested and he had no idea who Mother Teresa was, but he was like, yeah, this Mother Teresa is coming. He's like, this is awesome. Who the heck is she? So long story short is um, she shows up at the prison. And again, she's probably shorter than you are. Yeah, she's a, I
2: think she was about 4'10 or so. tiny. She's a tiny, tiny little tiny, lady. Yeah.
1: But she starts talking about Jesus. And evidently she started talking about how he loves him and what he wants for you. I guess, how your your past is not defining you. Mm -hmm. And what it calls the mind, though, is uh, Wahlberg walks out and he's impacted by it. And he goes up to the priest and he says, that's the Jesus I want to know about. Mm -hmm. Not the one I was taught when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. because the one he was taught when he was a kid is everything you do, I'm keeping track of, you're yeah. wrong, you're going to hell, whatever. Yeah. But he was like, that's the Jesus I wanna find. Yeah. And I think in my life, my mother talking about Jesus as a personal mm-hmm. friend, savior, however you wanna uh, state it, uh, made me a lot more interested in, well, who the heck is that then?
2: Yeah. yeah, he wasn't just up on the cross in the church that you went to on Sundays, but your mom brought him into your home as, a, as a personal a friend, person, as, yeah. as somebody yep. to yep. talk to, yep. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. How about for you, John?
3: I think it was um, my parents certainly lived the life and, and held the standards, but probably the the person who gave me the insights was my grandmother. Hmm. And um, she had a very difficult life. Um, grew up on a farm. I kind of wish that they kept the farm because where the farm <laughs> was in Chicago was very... Very like it's great real estate <laughs> right now. I
2: like rig- how, like how, Wrigley how Field it. is yeah. right there down yeah. no, no, <laughs> no. no, the South We're Southside.
3: We're Southsiders. But, um, but anyway, sorry for that. But um, <laughs> but um, her parents were immigrants and and but and farmers, just salt of the earth people. Um, but and she had two sisters. Uh, one one married a doctor. One married a vice president of Jewel Paint. So they all kind of like made it and. The American dream kind of thing. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. Graham married my grandfather, who was a contractor. And, and like, I never met him. I'm told he had a really good sense of humor. He could do anything. All the neighbors told me how great my grandfather was. Anyway, but they lost a child. Mm -hmm. Um, She was, I think, seven years old, and she passed away. And then they lost their house during the Depression, and just all kinds of things. But there was a calm faith about her, like... And two things, the sacred heart and the blessed mother. And um and whenever I would struggle with homework, with a project, whatever, she'd be like, Did you take time to pray? Hmm. And I mean I'm sure I didn't think precisely this thought in the third grade or fifth grade. It's like, woman, I can't get it done now <laughs> with all the time that I have. So how is five you know, how is taking time out of this actually gonna work? And it probably wasn't until I don't know high school where I actually tried it, and I was like, "Wow, that, <laughs> that's that's for real, right?" So it was, it was this kind of real, a practical, approach. very practical, very asking you will receive, seek mm-hmm. and you will find, and mm-hmm. it was this trust, always a trust, yeah. And um, and when I discovered, which is really ironic, because like if you if you went and talked to Father Lino right now, I don't think I'm blowing any secrets. I'm pretty sure I felt like he was preaching to me at like Odyssey the other night because it's all about trust. It's all about obedience. And as much as I've seen to still always have my expectations and want things to go my way and not trust if it doesn't go my way, as as bad as I am with that, that's the, it was that woman, my grandmother who, who had this fundamental trust that it was like, there is a goodness, there is a God and he is through all things consistent, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. You know, and one of the reasons I was asking you guys, like, how did your parents go into this is because, you know, we know right now there's so much vying for our children. There's so much out there trying to tear them away and to get them to. We were just talking about this Andy Griffith, right? Where, <laughs> yeah. wait, John, you can quote it. How did how did he say it again? What did he say?
3: Just. You can't you can't let the youngins decide, right? Because they'll they'll grab at the first shiny thing with ribbons on it, and then when they discover it's got a hook in it, it'll be too late.
2: Yeah, yeah. And If
3: I could do that with a North Carolina accent, we'd have
2: it done. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, you just have to let your children decide." Yeah. No. But there's too much out there, and so laying that, thing, both of you have grown in your faith, but there was a foundation there. There yes, was somebody for had sure. already introduced yes. you in a special, personal way to Jesus by how they lived their life, by how they talked about Him. I know in my family growing up, I've said before, I grew up on Guam, which was... And ninety-eight percent Catholic island, faith was part of everybody's everyday life. Every village had its own patron saint. I don't know any place else in the world where every single village has a patron saint, and there is a fiesta that happens on your saint's feast day. And no matter if you live in that village or not, if you're driving through, they wave you in, come eat, eat. You know, so that was just kind of part of what I saw. If you turn on the TV, the little local station, there was I think there was twenty-four hour adoration because there were always these little ladies. Uh, Oh wow. There were these little ladies and they had the mantilla, the the little um like lace Bayon, covering veil yeah, on yeah, and yeah. they were saying the rosary. Like every time you turn that station on, the rosary was going on on my TV set when I was my little black and white TV set when I was growing up. Um in the newspaper there was for everybody's death announcement, it had when what the novena, what the nine days of prayer dates were going to be oh, wow, on the yeah. first anniversary, they did more novenas. So it was just part of who, culture. It was yeah. the culture. It was totally, definitely the culture. Now, having said that, it was—I um, don't know—that I had a personal, personal relationship that had to grow with time and yeah. with my own personal experience. But I was introduced to Jesus, I was introduced to God, my parents would always say, Okay, make sure you say your prayers, you know, we weren't ones that said prayers together. But they would say, say your prayers, or if something happened, they would say, Well, it must be God's will. So I was introduced to those concepts. And it was just became part of our conversation. And I think that sometimes, because of the way the world is these days, and everybody's well, everybody has to find their truth. And there's all you know, there's not absolute truth, according to some people, that they feel like they have to let their children just find it on their own. Well, guess what? There is a uh, there's somebody prowling <laughs> about the world, right? Ooh, there is the evil one prowling about the world. He is seeking to devour souls and that is straight from scripture yeah. and he will. He will use whatever he can and it's interesting knowing we were going to talk about this. I reached out to both my kids who are now, you know, both out of the house, they're in college. And I said, hey, so, and I probably should have asked this a long time ago. So, you know, <laughs> it, which, what, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? You know, hoping they were gonna say yes. And I'm thinking, did I ever really ask them that? I know we talked about Jesus the whole time they were growing up. Um, and I said, and if so, how has it grown and how did you get it And both of them? You know, texted back and said it came from both external situations in my life as well as internal experiences in my life. And that and they both said and it has it's now that we've been out of the house, it's had to be a we've had to make a conscious decision. decision. We've had to make a conscious decision to actually follow our faith. And they both have made those decisions and I'm watching them make those decisions to follow their faith life and knowing, but, and then I said, okay, but why are you following Jesus? Why not Buddha? Why not any new age mysticism, all this other stuff out there. Um, and they both said it's because we learned about Jesus first. And I was like, that is so important for parents to know yeah, foundational that foundation they heard about Jesus first they were introduced to Jesus first they saw how Jesus worked um and how like Craig you said how your your mother Jesus was part of just a, a friend of hers yeah. right your grandmother's even with hard times she trusted in this man Jesus and I'm hoping that my husband and I did the same shared our own personal walk with our kids enough that they saw that they could count they could have faith and um you know, we like to believe that it's all of our prayers, all of our Hamleries, all of the times we've been to church and part of it, just make sure make sure they've, see, they know who Jesus is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I
1: think for me too, the, as you bring it up to the interesting part was through, you know, middle school, high school, even though I was exposed to that, um, the faith for me was, I won't say in my mother, mm-hmm. but it was like. She's a holy person. God listens to her. He's not really hearing my prayers. Uh-huh. Because I knew the the sinful things I did. I knew the things that I shouldn't be doing. And it was that immaturity of well, I know I believe in Jesus because we've talked about him. I mean, again, went Catholic school my whole life. So yeah. you know, thanks to my parents, you know, they paid for that and allowed me to do that. But it really wasn't my faith. And when I say that, I mean I was always Catholic, but I was Culturally Catholic, in as much as in the north everybody's Catholic for the mm-hmm. most part, whatever. But to explain a relationship with Christ where there was this this trust, um, and I would say today I struggle mm-hmm. with that sometimes, as John mm-hmm. said earlier. Well, Christ, if you were really my friend and you really loved me, my daughter wouldn't be sick. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't have a job issue, I wouldn't have none of these things would happen. Right. And then for me, it was a little bit of, well, my faith must be terrible because these wouldn't happen if I had more faith, because Christ says, you know, if you have a little bit of faith, you're going to move mountains. Right. And I think the maturity over time, finding Jesus was in those instances where I sat in the tomb Mm. feeling dead or feeling lost Mm. that somebody entered in and said something or did something that was like okay, wow, I just got to believe that he's really here. Yeah, That person showed up and said, you know what, you're going to be fine. You're going to be okay. And then after the fact, I recognized, well, that was Jesus. Yeah. You know, the random phone call from my mother, from a friend that says, I was just thinking about you. Yeah. Just the idea that somebody reached out, touched my life by caring. Could let me sit back and go, "Oh right, God, that was you.
3: Yeah. So you said something that I never thought about until you said it. It's like if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you would move mountains. Correct. All right. So let's just peel that onion back a little bit. He didn't say if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, life will be a carnival. You will move delightful objects. You will get in really wonderful cars and go wherever you want. He said you will move mountains. Have you ever tried to move a mountain?
1: I don't even want to walk
3: a whopping it of them. Uh, yeah, I don't like yard work. <laughs> until you said that, it, he's saying there's going to be mountains. Yeah. Right?
2: Yeah. So yeah.
3: like the whole thing about make filling the valleys, make straight.
2: The, the path. The path yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. it's like
3: there's going to be mountains. Make straight the highways so, for God. Sorry. Yeah. I can't yeah, get yeah. it right. It's yeah. from yeah. Advent. So that was a while ago. <laughs> but um, But it's like. When you said that and it makes me think that Mar, you said, Hey, look, there's somebody prowling about this. The devil is for real. And I think um I think the reason we have to learn I don't know, it's like language. When you're one year old, two year old, three year old, four year you learn a language very quickly, right? Mm-hmm. You can acquire a language much later in life and you can acquire multiple languages. But early on, when you learn that language, then it's it's part of you, I think that going all the way back to what's happening with our children, it's like if you're speaking that language and and you're not intentionally trying to teach your children necessarily, but you're just speaking the language around them, they acquire that language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's I guess that's what I ultimately want to get to is like just speak the language, live the life. There's gonna be mountains in your life. There were mountains in my grandmother's life. There's every there's you're climbing mountains right now. And um, and but the language that we learned is the one that ultimately sustains us, because there's just so much perversion of the truth right now. And it's real easy to get sucked in the devil. If you can get angry and with somebody and, and, and get some good, a good head of hate going over a righteous concept devil's happy Mm. right devil's doesn't care what you're hating about just hate please just hate Mm. right yeah yeah
2: you know as you say okay a few things have struck me as you guys have been talking one is um you talked in a way about god moments right craig you were talking about the times that jesus has shown up through other people through the phone call through all of that and i think sometimes i know that uh, some of the groups that I've been part of, we encourage people to start or end a time together talking about God moments because we go so fast in our lives. We forget to look for him. And that's what you were saying. Are we seeking him? Yeah. Are we looking for him? He's Is he right in front of us and we're not noticing him? And so every day, what are the God moments at your dinner table? Where did you see God today? Where did God show up to you personally today? Because you started us out with the visual imagery of the tomb and everybody running to the tomb. Well, who was the first one who saw Jesus at the tomb?
1: That Mary Magdalene.
2: And what? And how did she see him? As a gardener. And he called her name. Right. It was a God moment for her specifically. It yeah. he was very specific. You know, and she was the one who had been delivered of the demons. She had been, talk about mountains yeah. being moved in her life. You know, he had moved mountains for her in her life, and she had been renewed in this relationship w- because of this relationship with him. And so, and so, but he spoke her name, and then she saw him. And so, where are the places where Jesus is speaking your name? And so, each person's God moment is going to be different. But do we stop and ask people, hey, So what's been your God moment specifically just for you today where God did something just for you? And are we remembering to ask each other? And that was what was interesting to me when I asked my kids that question, how they both said both externally and internally, there have been things that have happened. And I kind of want to dig in and go, tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) What were those? But I realized those were their intimate God moments for each of each of them. Um, And I think that's and then when you're talking about speaking the language, you know, it, it's so interesting how, especially as Catholics, we have a different language than our Protestant brothers and sisters. And I know that when I came to the United States and I went off to college, I, I went to college in the, in the South, and there were a lot of evangelical Christians. And I didn't speak the language. I can speak it now. I can, I can totally speak it now. <laughs> I learned to become bilingual. But I did not speak it. So I didn't know the answer to the questions. Like the very first question, they say, how, why, why are you going to heaven? And I'm like, uh... Cause I'm a good person. Cause, uh, <laughs> I didn't know how to answer their question. I'm post Vatican II kid, right? You know, my CCD was basically tach- catching tadpoles in the mud puddles behind the church. It was not good, you know. So <laughs> I didn't know. I mean, maybe the Baltimore catechism taught people how to answer that question, right? But I didn't learn that. Yeah. Um, now I know. Now I can speak that language. But what kind of language too are we teaching our children? You know, do they know the whys behind what they believe? Yeah, I think that's pretty important. What else is hitting you guys?
1: Well, I mean, I think number one, um, very few of us know the whys. You mm-hmm. know, when you, when you really look at the depth of it, I think very few know the whys. And I think coming back out of the break, what I want to break down was the fact that Christ died. The apostles went away afraid. They could have stayed in that room or they could have dispersed and went back to their life saying, oh, the heck with this. But yet, what I got out of Magdalene's coming back as she sought jesus again Mm -hmm. she sought to bless him she sought to do something for his body because she didn't understand he was going to rise from the dead and then yet she had an experience going back to what you said and she went and shared that experience with the apostles Mm -hmm. who ran to go see yeah and guess what john not our john but the, uh, the other john he outran peter right but they both ran different paces Different imagery when you hear one got there and stopped, wouldn't go in. The other one stepped in boldly and looked.
2: Mm-hmm. Then
1: the other one came in. Going back to very different experiences of searching for Christ, yeah. but it all led to the exact same thing. Yeah,
2: I love that. That's so, beautiful.
1: We're going to continue this conversation, folks. So thanks for joining us in The Family Room.
2: We'll
0: be right back inside The Family Room in moments. Sponsored by Sprite on The Quest.
4: St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com.
0: Welcome back to The Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig, sponsored by Versprite on AM 1160 The Quest. We're
3: talking about a lot of things, but we started with the idea of just why... Didn't the, the apostles or Mary or or the the disciples on the road to Emmaus recognize Jesus, you know, right away after the the resurrection? And that's taken us all kinds of different places. And I think one of the things, just before it sneaks back out of my brain again, the question you have to ask is, are you spending time looking for him, and are you spending time listening? Like Mary recognized his his voice, and yeah. that was so. But she had been she had been with him in all these different scenarios and totally vulnerable, right? So. Where are we in that time where we're just quiet and our heart is open and raw, and he can call our name and we would recognize it? So it's, I think spending time, yeah. specific time,
1: is kind of critical for me. That's the critical part because if I go back and really look, I would say I've probably found Christ more through a Good Friday moment than other mm. things. Meaning, yeah. you know, in college was in a relationship. That again, looking for love in all the wrong places type of a thing. And I was silly enough to keep reading my Bible, whatever, but the bad things of that relationship, when I'd read the Bible, I mean seriously, it was almost like the it was those passages were written for me mm. of God kind of saying, All right, knock it off, stop doing that. You need to turn this around, whatever it is. And then, you know, playing basketball and my career ended. I mean, I remember walking around in a in a thunderstorm crying because my identity, a lot of my identity and who I was for a long time was I'm a very good basketball player I mean I I'm getting paid theoretically you know by scholarship to be here and I'm like Lord what are you doing why are you taking this stuff away from me but it was in those moments of what in the world and having a conversation like really you talk you we, we talked about at the break about you know, how do we share our faith with our kids? And oftentimes we're afraid to be vulnerable with our spouses. Yeah. How are we vulnerable with our kids that said, look, yeah. I may sound like I'm really strong in my faith, but I've had these major moments where I was like, like Mother Teresa, mm-hmm. you know, Lord, where are you in these moments? Lord, where I don't hear you anymore. Mm-hmm. And for me, going back to that comment about Mary Magdalene, she ran to the tomb to go find him. Yeah, That's where I found Christ when I had to, turn back and, and not hide and not say, I'm never talking to you again, but it's in that pain and in those tears, where are you
2: mm-hmm.
1: that I have learned to start to hear his voice Yeah. that I love you. I care about you. I'm not going to give you the answer right now. Just keep coming to find me. Keep seeking me. Keep that built that relationship going back to how did I develop a relationship it was being separated from my mother's faith mm-hmm. that Christ said through these challenges, I had to develop my own faith. And it's still developing. Trust me, I'm not there yet. But it's still this journey of, God, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Where am I going to go? Mm-hmm. And almost him smiling and saying, you're going to follow me.
2: Yeah. You're
1: going to surrender to me. Just listen. So that's kind of where mine has gone or come from.
2: Yeah. I think you gave us beautiful imagery for that too when you mentioned they were in the tomb. And so we're our own tombs. Where are the times where we've been in a place of deadness, where we've been in a place of the end of life as we knew it. kind of like the
1: Lazarus moment, right? Yeah. We've died ourselves and Christ calls us out.
2: Right, right. But we are but we have to be seeking him. We need to be looking for him. There's that great painting where Jesus is on one side of a door and the other person, you know, the seeker is on the other side, and there's only a knob on the seeker's side. There's only the knob on our side. We are the one who has to open the door. Um, And you talked about hearing his voice. But you have to, John, like you said, you have to spend time with him in order to recognize his voice. And Mary had spent enough time with Jesus to recognize his voice. I think I've said this story before when my kids were little. One of the things that we did in their in their school was we had we were prayer parents, and so we were looking at that scripture that talks about my sheep will know my voice, oh, yeah, right. Right? Yeah, right? They will hear me and they will follow me, like you just said, Craig. They will follow me. And so what we did is we went around the school and we we taped people saying that scripture verse so we taped the librarian and she said that scripture verse and then we taped the PE teacher who they all loved and he read that scripture verse and then we taped the lunchroom lady and they were listening used to hearing her voice over the microphone in the lunchroom and then we taped a couple of parents voices not us that were in the room but a couple of other parent voices and so we went in there and we played that we played that scripture verse you know my sheep will hear my voice they will know me. They will follow me. Um, my sheep know my voice. And so we played it and all the kids would go, Oh, that's Mrs. So-and-so. Oh, that's Mr. So-. <laughs> and then, then we'd play, then we played a parent voice and it was so hilarious because the whole class got quiet. Everybody's like, who on earth is that? Except one little kid who gets the biggest grin on their face and their eyes lit up and they're like, that's my daddy, <laughs> you know? And, and, and we talked about why do you know your daddy's voice and these other kids don't? Well, because you spend time with your daddy. Well, each of us, do you know Jesus' voice? And the, you know his voice once you've spent time with him. Yeah. So how are you spending time with him? And, you know, I love your comment about um, being intimate with our kids. I know that's one of the things that as I've read about... What is it that the young people are seeking today? And they want authenticity. They want people who are authentic in their lives. And they sometimes feel like their parents are not to be trusted as authentic because their parents won't tell them about those tomb moments. Yeah. They won't tell them about those times where they failed or where they're struggling and things like that. So, you know, each of us has that opportunity to share with our kids where we're struggling and where we've struggled in our faith, but where Jesus has been there, where God's been there for us and how, you know, how those moments made an impact on our lives and how. Helped us to grow and sure. I think it's so critical for us to share those John you, I, I can see the smoke coming out your ears
3: <laughs> no I was thinking of two things one just being intimate with your kids agreed I, I would be cautious mm-hmm. honestly I would be prudent because there's things in each of our lives or and maybe it's maybe it's just in my life but there's certainly things in in my life that I would and have counseled our children according to experience only in so far as to articulate the difficulty, the pain, without the details, because sometimes the details would be less helpful than mm-hmm. than just exactly. having understand, yeah. yeah. right? So I yeah. think I offer that. But I'm going all the way back to the Lazarus thing that you said, right? Because Lazarus comes out of the tomb, so we're called out of the tomb, but he's bound up, mm-hmm. and so, you know Jesus says, "Unbind him." Mm-hmm. I remember thinking about this in a Bible study. It's like if you're trying to unbind me, I'm kind of comfortable in my bindings right now. Mm. I don't, nothing hurts me when I'm wrapped up and bound, right? It's it's a, it's a much more secure place when, when I'm in my bindings and it's cutting those bindings loose. And I think that's maybe what you're saying about the intimacy part of it. It's Mm -hmm. like, Hey, you got to kind of take some of the wrappings off the part of the resurrection story that always just, that moves me still is the cloth for his head taken off, folded up, set in a different place. You just have that vision on Easter morning, right? He's just yeah. up and that piece comes off and
2: yeah. it's yeah. like
3: crazy. And so it's it's like he could unbind himself. We may not be able to do that, yeah. right? We have to find that time to let him unbind us.
2: Have you heard that story about the whole and the importance of why that was Folded up so nicely and set yes, aside. Yes. Yeah. Did we talk about that? Not one sure that because
3: I was. If, if I don't know if we talked about it here, but it's, <clears throat> uh, we were talking about it Easter with the kids. It's it's just it's absolutely. Inc- it's why John said oh, I get it, right? <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah. No, tell- no.
2: So so apparently part of the tradition, right, is that if the the master of the home, um, he's the first one. He'll he can get he'll get up he might get up from the table, and if he gets up from the table and he just kind of throws his napkin. On his chair or next to his plate or whatever, it means I'm done. I'm finished. I'm not coming back. This is it, right? The meal is now over. But if the master actually folds his napkin and lays it beside his plate, it means I'm coming back. back. I'm Dinner's coming not back. Done. Yeah, the feast is not over. The feast is feast not, is not, like over. Feast is like not over. Yeah, yeah. That's
1: beautiful. What I love about our shows sometimes they prompt memories that you know you remember, but yet you kind of store it in the back. And talking about finding out jesus was real
2: mm.
1: yeah i always say it's funny because i've always said my mother god's a tattletale i was in college uh i forget sophomore year i think it was junior year and you know dating whatever and yeah, hey, look at you know i'm not exactly the smoothest guy in the world so <laughs> When I when I, when I I found a young lady, it was always like, oh, great, you know, okay, I'm going to try to hold on to this one for as long as I can. It's like going fishing, right? But I remember getting, um, I, I don't know if i to say this the right way. So basically, this person was like, yeah, I don't like you. You're too nice of a guy type of a thing. You know, they all wanted the guy that was going to be the bad boy, whatever. And I remember sitting in my, my efficiency apartment and just going, you know, screw this. I'm going to treat girls just like that why am i going to care anymore why do i care about this and this is a true this is a true story folks so you know i can validate it my mother doesn't remember it because she's 94 but i can i can validate its truth i got a phone call in my apartment like no more than 10 15 minutes after i had that thought of i'm going to stop caring and it was my mother and she says hey what's going on how are you i said um nothing just you know in my apartment i'm fine she goes no really how are you I said, well, I'm fine. Everything's going great, whatever, whatever. And she says, no, I don't believe you. (laughs) I'm like, okay. She said, I was just in my prayer room. I was prompted to pray for you. And she said, if Jesus can hang on a cross and not quit caring about you, despite... What you've done. How can you think about not caring about people?
2: Oh, my gosh. Wow.
1: Christ could not have been more real Mm. in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. But it was because of her faithfulness and her willingness to listen. And be obedient. She was obedient to the prompting, right? And God opened up. We we're nine, ten 10, ten, ten hours apart. Yeah. There is no space in time. And yet God entered into it through her. Yeah. So, and, sorry yeah. for yeah. Well, lo- lo- losing my, my, my composure, folks. But I mean, those were real moments when God decided, I'm going to kiss you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I'm going to hug you and I'm going to teach you. It's painful. Yeah. But I know what that pain was like because... Yeah, I could've wanted to quit caring too, but I chose not to.
2: Right, right.
1: Apologies, folks.
2: There's so much in that story though. First of all, telling your kids that story, your kids hearing that story, your kids seeing the impact it had on your life. So powerful, you know, so powerful. And then the other piece, right? You've got a mom, for all of us parents out here. Don't ever stop praying. Don't ever stop praying. Mm. Keep those lines open because God will reveal when your kids do need and they need a word from you whoever might be. Um, but but the other piece of this too, and this is where I think this these days we've gotten in, in the way of this, we don't want our kids to go through hard things. We don't want them to be uncomfortable, right? It's very and, and time in college, time on your own as a young person, loneliness, um, sadness, that's all part of the journey. And you had to go through that part of the journey to feel the love of God in your life 100%. at that moment, right? If you were having so much fun, if you were out partying, if you were surrounded and everything had been taken care of you, you would not have experienced God to the degree that you experienced God. Like we said, Mary Magdalene, she went running after Jesus and she recognized him right away. And she's probably the, the, of, the of the disciples that we know of, as we learn the stories of all of the disciples who were there with Jesus daily, she probably had the hardest life that we know about, yeah. right? Beforehand. And so you can see what she came through. So do we allow our kids to experience hard stuff? You know, I know for me, we, you know, we talked about how did our parents kind of set a stage for us, but then how did it start to become real for us? And I know for me, um, Jesus became more real to me. Um, When I was 23 and my mom was diagnosed with cancer and I became her caregiver, my dad was out of the country. My sister was off in college. And um, before I went to become her full-time caregiver and quit my job and everything, a an amazing man who was my boss at the time. Once again, God ordained so many beautiful relationships. He sent me to a curseo, And so I went to a weekend where I met Jesus wow. smack dab, strong. And I'd yeah. never heard people talk about their personal relationships. I'd never heard Catholic people. I'd yeah. never heard Catholic people talk about... These things, and each of the stories at the Curcia, which is a lot like what Chirp is for those mm-hmm. of you going through Chirp today and all, or Welcome, I think it's called now, um, hearing people's really tough stories and yet seeing the hope and the joy and the 24 hour relationship that they had with Jesus changed my life. And at 23, and I'm so thankful, uh, okay, I'm going to cry now. So <laughs> well, at 23, you know, he entered into my life in such a profound way and made himself so real to me through these other people who were willing to share really hard things. Um, and he, and God knew I was going to be walking through hard things and walking through hard things with my family and walking through hard things Then just as a young adult. Um, and he made it so that I would know that he was there. And that's when my own, um, my own running after him started and it's that's not awesome. stopped yet and it's not, and he has been ever faithful.
1: Yeah. It's wonderful. We've been together for two years doing this, and it's the first time I heard the
3: story. So, <laughs> yeah. John, come on, you got to have a story to share. It's I have, there's a million. I went through formation for seven years, right? So I considered um, the priesthood as a vocation for seven years, and, and 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 that you get you're really well formed, right? There's a lot yeah. of opportunities that um, they're, actually they're all available now. Well, probably less for the for the laity at the time, but um, but I was. I was classic John. I mean, if you talk to my teachers in grammar school, probably to talk to Barb, she'll tell you, you know, John just gets in the zone and he just goes, right? And I go. And and I was in the zone for a lot of that formation. And then I would go on these retreats and there would be guys having these profound moments and adoration and stuff like that. And I'm like, good for you. Good for <laughs> you, bro. I Just not there. Just not seeing it, not feeling it. It wasn't like... God was far away. I had certainly a wonderful life, but there was, I'm like, I don't know how all that works. I, it's good for you. Maybe it's real. Maybe, maybe you're just, I don't know. Right. It was very hard. It was actually in the discernment process to decide whether I should leave and whether Barb was like the path I should walk, right? It yeah. Was, so you had it, it to was, decide
2: whether you're going to marry yeah, Jesus or marry, marry Barb. Exactly. Yeah.
3: Exactly. Which is, you know, it's a, it's a decision you make every day. <laughs> um. <laughs> it was in a quiet time in st mary's chapel at villanova for the very first time he was there i could smell and and then i knew that, okay that's the path i need to walk it's barb right but it was at a curcio that i was convicted because i'm a pretty fun date i think <laughs> people who know like, <laughs> not sure i want to know jim I, I, people tell you no i mean like they say John's enjoyable. He's fun. That was a fun date, and I can, you know, do and be enjoyable. And that's and God at Carcio, it and you know that last part. He's like, man, we, you you're a great date, John. You're a great date. When when are we going to stop dating
2: mm. and get into
3: a serious relationship? When are you going to make a commitment to me? Yeah. And um, that was the moment. It was, wow. That's when the prayer chair started. Well, do me a favor because that's all I'm thinking about.
1: You know. The excitement you talk about getting up at ungodly hours in the morning to sit in your prayer chair, to be with Jesus. Talk a little bit about that, though, because, you know, we keep talking about spending time being committed. Talk about your prayer chair and frankly, talk about how you really heartfelt feel
3: about that. Um, It was really hard to do that. Because I'm I'm way ADD. If you go back when you're listening to this podcast, you'll listen to kind of how I've been talking for the last hour. You're like, yeah, he's all over the place. (laughs) um, That's uh, what makes
2: you a fun date.
3: (laughs) It's never boring. Um, But um, just to get a few minutes of quiet time was hard in the beginning. But at the Curcio, that's where I made the commitment. And um, I will tell you, God is so faithful. Um, The minute I moved in that direction in a prayer chair, boom, he was there oh wow um and and it's different now, uh whatever it is thirty almost thirty years later, i guess but um but he was he was there to me um in the beginning now, even it's I would love to tell you how great a sacrifice it is to get up at that hour. I get up at three thirty or four 4.00, o'clock four thirty depending on the day what the schedule looks like, but um pretty much four thirty every morning now and I'm I have a cup of coffee with Jesus. It's it's that simple. Mm-hmm. It's just that simple. Um I have I've never been in my prayer chair and thought that even in the driest times he was there. There have been some truly rewarding times and there have been some really difficult times and there have been times honestly where I got out of the chair and I was on my knees on the ground and I was just like lost, but he was there. Mm.
2: So do you just listen to him when you're sitting there? So I, I got to warm up a
3: little bit. Usually I I try to take a few minutes to be quiet and then I'll read um, scripture usually. Um, and and then I have a candle burning and I just be quiet and try to listen. It's really hard for me. So when I when I have a hard time listening, I take something that I learned and I've always journaled. I've journaled in high school and had more on and off a little bit, but typically a pretty steady journal writer and um and and so when i have a hard time or i'm really all over the place i'll just start writing in the journal when barb and i did um marriage encounter right they mm-hmm. tell you the hot pen um mm-hmm. and hot pen is just like just write whatever just write just start writing whatever comes to your mind you know you know ants and pants rhyme but, <laughs> you know, so whatever it is and and you just write And uh, and I haven't had to do that. Uh, And and that's been a really powerful tool for me, because if you go back and read my journals, please don't. Um, But if you go back and read them, you will see questions and then you'll see answers. And it's Mm -hmm. and it's John. Here's the deal. And and it really is. It's it's like an answer. Yeah. And you say, well, that's just you. Now, if it was me, it'd be way more messed up than it was because I know what I want and I know what he wants. And, and you know, Father Mike Schmidt says it. that's a, that's the foundation of sin. I know what you want, Lord, and I know what I want. And I'm going to do what I want. Mm-hmm. Right. And so anyway, so that's that 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 quiet time is is super, super important for me because I'm a restless person. I am a very mm-hmm. restless person. Barbles, why can't you just sit down and, you know, and just watch? The, can you just sit down for five minutes? No, I can't. I'm a restless soul. And so having that quiet time is really important. That's great.
2: I'm so glad you asked that because I think as I listen, think back to how we started this conversation and just the importance of it is, you know, each of us is seeking. Each of us is seeking and Christ wants to be found. He's ready for us. He's ready. He wants to, to, he wants us to understand and know his voice. He wants us to seek after him, but he will answer in whatever way we each personally need. Right. And he will offer you opportunity to build that relationship deeper based on what you need. Yes. And he knew for you, he needed you to get, sit still. <laughs> sit still. <laughs> you need
3: to come quick. He, he knows yeah. I'm an impatient guy. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. For me, he knew that I love words. I've always loved words. I love to read. I was that kid who always had a book with me at all times because, you know, maybe we'd finish in class five minutes earlier before read. the bell rang. I could read more of my oh, book. Gosh. Right. And so he knew that it was his word that was going to get mm. me. And so I came out of Curcio at 23, you know, and this is 35 years ago, as I realized right about right now, about 35 years ago, exactly. I came out of Curcio and I wanted a Bible and I realized I only had my kid, little kid Bible, you know, that's the one I had. And I went to a bookstore and bought a Bible. I didn't even know at the time there was a difference between a Protestant Bible and a Catholic (laughs) Bible. I just bought a Bible. And, um, and then I went and found a Bible study and he opened my heart to Bible studies. And I have been in Bible studies ever since. And now God's had me lead Bible studies. He's had me help write Bible studies. But he knew the way that he was going to grab me and hold me tight and hold me close. And so um, my faith was going to grow through his living word, right? And so I think it's so beautiful. how He does whatever we each need, yeah.
1: And I like that too, because it's not, I want you to become like John Craig. I want you to become like... It's I want you to be you yeah. and I want you to hear my voice the way I designed you to hear my voice. Yeah. And that's what makes it so personal. And so, you know, awe inspiring that, you know, the God who created everything, mm-hmm. when he says, I called you by name, I mean, it's so individual and so intimate, and yet it's so hard to grasp that some days. Yeah, it really is.
2: So I think it's a be that's a beautiful place to close. Right. Um, so Hey, Craig, would you close for us in prayer?
1: No, because I'll start crying again. (laughs) Somebody else gets to close.
2: (laughs) You want me to do it? Okay. In the name of the Father and the Son Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. amen. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We praise you and we adore you. And we thank you for the ways that you have called each one of us by name. And Lord, as we pray, we pray for each one of the people listening right now that you would call them by name, that you would call them just as Jesus called Mary. Outside the tomb, you would call them by name and that they would hear your voice and that they would know that you are calling them into a personal relationship with them and a relationship that they are going to be um, just so seeking after and a relationship that they're going to be so excited to share with others, especially other people in their family, their children, um, young or old. And, uh, Lord, we thank you that you give us this gift of faith. And so we praise you and thank you today for the gift of faith. And it's in your son's precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. 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 And the Father, and the Father, and the Son, and the Holy, holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. 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 Listeners, we thank you for joining us here in the Family Room this week. Please join us again next week where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families.
0: Thanks for hanging out with us in the Family Room, sponsored by Sprite. For more info, go to QuestAtlanta.com.